Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. This is the day the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Anybody glad that you made it to church this morning? Come on, you didn't have to make it. You didn't have to make it through a week, but God has been good and faithful and kind and merciful and all of those things. And I'm, I'm always excited about corporate worship. And let me just say to you, Epiph, never, never, um, never neglect this moment. Never, never treat this moment as though it's not a big deal. Never treat this moment casual. It is a big deal that you got to gather with the body of Christ today. You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 will say it this way. Do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another as you see the day drawing near. And I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged every time I see you. Shout out to those of you who are, who are at home, uh, those of you who are online right now. Um, I think the pandemic has made the technology portion of church so normal, but it's a big deal that the gospel can go out right now in any part of the world. Anybody, somebody in Uganda right now can pick up their phone and tap in and be able to, to, to hear and see the worship and, and hear the gospel. And that's a big deal. So shout out to you guys that are, that are at home. Pray that you guys are well. You're dry. We're out here still wet. You know, the spiritual people came in today. No, we're, we're grateful. All right, let's, let's get to work. It's my responsibility to preach the word. We're going to the Old Testament. We're going to the book of Psalm. When, once you get to Psalm, go to do me a favor. Go to Psalm 25. We're going to go through a psalm of David today. Hey, as you turn there, last, maybe not last week, two weeks ago, I was preaching on stewardship and generosity, and I was encouraging us to be financially wise with our resources, but also generous to a God who has been good to us. And in, in preaching about that, I told y'all about, you know, I, I laid all my cars on the table and told y'all I was like Pookie from New Jack City, searching, trying to find these Jordans. Uh, that just dropped in, um, in, in June. And as I was, you know, expressing that to you guys, the Lord like really convicted my heart and told me that the money that I was going to spend on the Jordans to put them into the Lord and give them to the Lord and give them to the house. And so I, I did that a little begrud begrudging. It was begrudging uh, obedience for sure. You know, the scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. I wasn't that cheerful that day. Um, but then last week I was sitting upstairs between services and Ayende and, and Danette Samuel walked in with the Brianna, not Brianna Taylor, um, Tayana Taylor, the, uh, the Rose of Harlem Jordans and your boy got them on today and it was a gift. Hey Amen. You know, I was, it was so unexpected and I was, I was so, I was so grateful. Um, but I, you know, I just, I want to use that as an encouragement for the room. That if you're about to spend on Jordans, give it to the Lord and somebody will bless you. Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's get to it. Let's get to it. We're, we're in Psalm 25. Um, I was going to read all, it's 22 verses. I was going to read all of them, but I want to encourage you to do so on your, your time at home. I'm just going to kind of spot, but I want you to do me a favor. Just pick up a theme. There's a theme that is, that is running rampant throughout uh, chapter 25, the words of David, that, that it behooves us to pay attention to. Let me see if you can pick it up. Look at verse four. Make known to me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Verse five, lead me in your truth and teach me. 
Look down at verse number, number nine. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast, love and, and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Verse 12, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the ways that he should choose. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, God, help me with these decisions. Help me with these decisions. Anybody in the room, just by a show of hands, who has like a major decision that is coming up that you, you know, you're on a bit of a time crunch and you got to make it. Anybody, anybody got a major decision coming up? Who just got a bunch of small decisions that feel like one big one? That should be everybody in the room. You've probably made about 10 or 15 decisions already this morning. What you were going to wear, what you were going to eat, if you was going to come out today in the rain or not, what color to wear. You know, you, you thought through all of that and we don't even, we're not even cognizant of how many decisions we make. But I really want to help us today through David's words to pay attention to how we make decisions because how you make decisions could impact the trajectory of your life. And I'm not just talking about those big ones. I'm talking about those small ones because I believe that life really isn't made up of just those big moments. That's far few in between. Life is made up of a bunch of smaller moments that make up. It feels like one big moment that really can change who you are. Uh, let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, yeah, we need you, Lord. We, we need you. We need you. You tell us in Psalm 119 that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, Father, today, would you illuminate those dark areas, those gray areas? Lord, we thank you for your word. Because I realize that your, your word has the ability, oh God, to, to deconstruct the mind and reconstruct the mind. And the, the word of God has the ability to, 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 cut, to cut our hearts, but also mend us back together. And so it does so much. So, Father, we, we submit to you. We sit today in full submission of what it is that you will say to us. Lord, as you saw the room, we're all dealing with some type of decision that we need to make. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that as, as we go through life and make decisions, that we would pay attention today to Psalm 25 because you give us principles and tools of how to make decisions. It's in Christ's name we do pray and give all glory. Amen. Somebody say, God, help me with these decisions. So I'm, I'm kind of in between uh, Netflix shows right now. I'm usually watching something. I just got finished watching. Uh, it's a show called the, the Glory. I don't know if you've seen that show. You've, come on. Ain't it good? Ain't it good? My family thinks I'm crazy because I like this show. And they're like, it just looks so boring. It's, it's based in... <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> it wasn't boring. It, it, it is based in South Korea. And it is about uh, this young girl that was bullied and severely bullied, I mean, tortured almost. And she grew, she grew up and her entire life, she devoted her entire life to getting back at the people that were bullying her. But she didn't want to just like kill them. She wanted to ruin their lives. And uh, I finished the show and man, I, when I tell you, it's just such an amazing show. So I'm, I'm at the point where I'm looking for another show. In fact, y'all throw me out some recommendations. What are y'all watching right now? What'd you say? Say it again. Is it cake? Okay. Is that on Netflix? Yes. All right. Give me, give me something else. Give me something else. What is it? Who? The bear. I heard that one in the first service. Okay, that's the second recommendation. Give me, give me something else. Wonder Years. This is us. Do they got a new? Is it a new season or you just watching the old ones? Dang. 
That be tired, man. Ty watched stuff over and over. I be like, yo, we watched that season five times. What else y'all got? Delete? I saw that. That was good. That was good. What else we got? Y'all don't watch TV? Y'all spiritual? Y'all pray? <laughs> what y'all got? Come on, give me something. What is it? Who? The Lincoln Lawyer. Okay. What'd you say? Suits. I heard about Suits. I heard Suits was, I heard suits was good. All right, that's enough. That's enough. We got, a, we got the recommendations. There, there's a show currently on Netflix. I don't know if you guys have heard of this show. It's called The Black Mirror Bandersnatch. And so I'm not vouching for it. I'm not pushing. It's not a recommendation I have for you. I did watch one episode, and I'm kind of mixed on it. And the reason I'm mixed on it is because the style of the show is you have to participate in it. I don't know if you've watched it, but if you watch it, there's a point in the show where it pauses and you have to make a decision. And the decision is either to do something and go one way or or go another way. And whatever decision you make, it changes the rest of the story. Now, a piece of me doesn't like that type of a show because I I like to mindlessly... What's that? Is that the show? Dang. That was good, Jay. I, I like to mindlessly watch... I like to mindlessly watch shows. I don't, I don't want to participate. I'm a consumer. I want to, I want to mindlessly binge watch and not pay attention to what, to what I'm even thinking. Just lose brain cells. That's, just, that's what I want to do. But then there's another side of me that actually likes the idea that I can make bad decisions and someone else gets the consequence. I'm serious. There, there's, there's a point in the, in the show where it's like, do, do you want the character to take LSD or get drunk right before his wedding? I'm like, how do I choose both? Because I want him to take LSD while drinking and then go to the wedding. Like, I, that's how, because I'm not going to have the consequences. And unfortunately, <laughs> as we consider choices, that's how, I'm convinced that's how many of people in the room make choices. There's, there's, there's one choice or another, and one choice will, will lead to a fulfilled life. And, and, and if I could just make, if I could just understand that choice, I'll be fulfilled. And then the other one leads to doom and gloom, and it'll lead me down a dark path. And so, Lord, I got to make the right decision. I got to make the right decision. I, I don't know if you guys have, have ever heard my pastor, Dr. Mason, talk about uh, choices. And he talks about the, the, the dot versus the circle. And the dot versus the circle is so transformative when you think about it, because a lot of us think that God has a bullseye. There's, there's one purpose. There's one thing in life. There's one door. And, and you think that that's it. And if you miss that, then you messed up for the rest of your life. But I, I like the way he says, he says, really, when you think about decisions, it's really a, a, a circumference or a sphere where there's a bunch of different things that could all be the Lord. There could be 10 different doors and you walk through any one of them and they are the Lord. This is the garden, right? This one tree, don't eat of this one tree, but everything else in the garden you can eat of. And so if they ate of the tree next to the, next to the one that you weren't supposed to eat of, it's still the right decision. If they ate of the one way back a mile away, it's still the right decision. And we have this, this thing in our mind that is just one decision, that one thing I got to figure out. And to make matters worse, many of us make decisions based on signs. I know I'm talking right, right? You, Lord, if I walk outside and two doves fly by me, then I'm going to know I should go to the right. Well, first of all, you're in New York, so they're not doves. They're pigeons. Just right off the bat, I can tell you that. But secondly, why would you leave a, a, an important decision up to, up to chance? Up to, up, up to something that, that could be the Lord and something that might not be the Lord. You know how else we make decisions? This is how we make decisions. We have a spiritual eight ball. Y'all remember these back in the day? I'm not talking about the eight ball jacket, but do y'all remember the actual eight ball? 
Where you ask it a question and you shake it and you turn it over and you, you look at it like, let me, let me do it real quick. Lord, um, uh, am I going to preach long today? Let me see what it says. That's up to you. There it is. There it is. Let's, let's, do, let's, do, let's do another one. Uh, is, is Brooklyn the, the, the best out of the five boroughs? I'll get back to you on that. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. LeBron James or Michael Jordan? LeBron James. There it is. There it is. There it is. Some stuff, Caleb, we don't even need a crystal ball for, right? We don't need the eight ball. We, we kind of know what it is. But that's, it's comical, but that's how we, that's how we choose on what path we'll go down. We, we leave it up to this random stuff, but what if, what if there are no pigeons, right? There, there are no doves. There are no, there are no eight balls. What if there were really principles to how to make decisions? What I would suggest to you is that Psalm 25 gives us those principles, and there's at least three of them. Now, if you're sitting here going, if you just give me a list of what to do and what not to do, I'm going to go out here and do it. But it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit more complex than that. Pay attention to the words that he says. I don't know if you, you picked it up. Verse four, he says, make known to me your ways. Teach me your paths. Verse five, lead me in your truth and teach me. Verse number nine, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Verse number 12, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should go. I don't know if you're paying attention to David's words. This is a, a, a psalm that's written by David. But David has some decisions and some, some, some guidance that he needs. And in the guidance, what David does is David brings it to the Lord. Now, more than the fact that David needs guidance, it's the topics he needs guidance on that messes me up. David needs guidance on a bunch of different topics. If you read the context of all of Psalm 25, he is asking God really to lead him through relationships and family and career choices and parenting. Verse 13 talks about uh, the, the descendants will inherit the land. That's parenting. And then verse 17, he talks about uh, some, some trouble he's in and some, some guys that he don't like. And he's like, Lord, guide me, guide me through them. And so he's talking about being guided through areas of stress and pain and anxiety. Is that anybody's situation where some of the decisions you got to make are bringing you anxiety and bringing you pain? Now, here's what I love about David. David doesn't only bring the spiritual matters to God. David brings all matters to God because at the core of your relationship with the Lord is he doesn't only care about the spiritual stuff in your life. He actually cares about the natural. And so, in other words, some of you got a decision to make. When I ask you to raise your hand, you got a decision to make on, on job situations, on promotion situations. Some of you got a decision to make on relocating. You got a parenting decision. And you think that's stuff I can't bring to the Lord because he only cares about the spiritual stuff. But I'm here to say to you, David shows me that God cares more, and not just more, but also about your natural life that he does your spiritual life. And so, yes, he cares about you being on mission. Of course, he cares about that. But he also cares about your job. He, he cares about your job. And some of us, we don't invite God into that because we think, oh, he's too busy healing cancer. But he actually cares about your promotion as well. We think he's too busy delivering that person from, from a stronghold. Yes, he is. But he's the ambidextrous God that can do two things at one time. And so bring him all of our issues. Some of you in here really thought that God only cared about the spiritual stuff. I'm asking you to rethink that today. 
Some of you thought that God only cares about ministry stuff. I'm asking you to rethink that today because according to David, he cares about everything. Your education, your academics, your career choices, your relationships, your, your parenting. He, he cares that you want to come off that job and he cares, that, he cares about all of that. Somebody just say he cares about all of that. And proof that he cares can be found in the fact that he sent Jesus. This big, massive God the Bible tells me dwells in unapproachable light that's, that's so big. Grandma said you can't get around him. You can't get under him. He's so massive, became intimate with us in the person of Jesus and wrapped himself in flesh. And then the scripture tells me that he is uh, uh, able to sympathize with our weakness. God understands everything that you can bring to him. So why not bring it all to him? You know, he can handle it. He can handle all of your confusion, all, all of the things that, that are up in the air that you are going through right now. He wants the good, the bad. He wants the, the pretty, the, the ugly. He wants the up and down. Somebody say he wants all of it. David trusted God to guide him, not from A to B, but A to Z. And my hope and my prayer today is that that's how we would be guided in life. And here's the reality. Many of you in this room have, you've gone through life and you've, you've made decisions absent of God. And as a consequence, you, you found yourself left of his will. Anybody in here like, that's your story. I know that's mine. Well, I've made some decisions. I'm like, ah, you know, I, I'm just going to make it. I'm not going to pray about it. And honestly, I can tell if you're serious about whatever that thing is that, that you are believing God for. I can tell you how serious you are by how much you pray about it. Because you've, if you never pray about it, if you never take that thing to God, I don't even want to take you serious. There are people that come to me and be like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, how much have you prayed about it? I'm about to start praying. Well, come back to me when you're serious. Because I can't take you serious unless you've taken it to the Lord. Many of us have been thrown off from the very will of God because we've made decisions haphazardly. Because we took a spiritual eight ball and shook it up and just said, whatever it is it lands on is what I'm going to do. And, and, and we found ourselves frustrated and with tension and with aggravation, all because we did not take those things to the Lord. There's a hymn that says, guide me, thou great Jehovah. That's my prayer for Epiphany Church. That's my prayer for you as an individual. My prayer is that you wouldn't hear today, hear that God cares about your decisions and walk out and be like, he only cares about the big ones. No, he cares about all of them. So when I ask you to raise your hand about the small decision, he cares about them. David gives us a list of things that he is believing God to guide him. And he's trusting that the Lord will give him a spiritual divine clarity because that's what we need. Let me, let, let, me, let me kind of twist this a little bit and hold your seat for a second because one of the things I notice about David is he's not just asking God to guide him and to be clear. He also is repenting in the text. In other words, if you're going to take making decisions serious and decision making, uh, you have to be serious about the sin that is in your life and be willing to repent of that sin so that you can redirect uh, uh, yourself back to the clarity of his voice. Let me tell you something about sin. You know, theologically, I just want to be really clear. Eternal life really means eternal life. So once you are saved, there is nothing you can do to get yourself unsaved. There, that is not even a biblical concept. Now, if you keep on going down the path uh, of disregarding uh, the Lord and disobedience, yeah, I would question if you really are saved, if you can do so with no conviction. But if, you, if you're wrestling and you're falling and you're getting back up and you're falling, that doesn't unsave you. But I will tell you this, the more you find yourself in sin, the the less clear his voice is to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, 
You, you disconnect. Some of us need to declutter God's voice. He speak. Let me tell you about God. God is always speaking. Oh, read the scriptures. He speaks from Genesis all the way to Revelation. He talks and talks and talks. And some of you, he's trying to, he's trying to speak to you, but he can't because there's sin in your life that's unrepented. Now, I'm not asking you to be sinless. I'm just saying the more you grow in your faith, the more you should repent. Oh, because you'll never, you'll always make mistakes. We're, we're, we're sinners at, at heart. We're around sin. The people that are in this room are all sinners. And so we'll all find ourselves in that area. But the quicker you repent, the more you get clarity on his voice. Somebody say, I need clarity on his voice. I forgot to read the verse. Verse 7. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgression. Verse number 11. For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt. For it is great. That word guilt actually in the original language means iniquity. So in verse number seven, he talked about his sin and being forgiven of his sin. And then verse number, number uh, 11, he talks about being pardoned from his iniquity, which I love the, the transparency he gives because he says, my iniquities, which are great. Say, I know you think you're a sinner. David got you. Oh, David got you. David got you. And so David, David in verse 7 and verse 11 is like, I know I need your guidance and I need to hear your voice to, to crystallize this decision. But God is looking back and going, oh, if you want to hear me, you better repent of sin. I knew this part was going to get really quiet. See, there's a difference. Jay, thank you, bro. There's a difference between sin and iniquity. See, we, we, we just throw those. We think they're transferable. We just kind of throw those together. But scripturally, there is a difference in the definition of what sin is and what iniquity is. Sin means to miss the mark. And so it's this idea that there's a target right there. There's boundaries and there's a target. And it's an archery term where, where I pull back the, 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 the arch the, and then I throw it and I let the arrow go. And if I miss the bullseye, it's called sin. God has a set of principles. He has a, he has a set of things that he is calling us to because I know this new age, you know, as long as we come to church and, you know, we progress with the lights and the logo and we cool, but God has an arch. He has something that you got you to gotta hit. And when we miss it, it's called sin. That's sin. Now, let me tell you about iniquity. Iniquity is a little different. Iniquity is a little bit more deeply rooted. Iniquity refers to the premeditated choice of the sin. Oh, God, let me, let me, let me get you in David's life for a second. When David fell with Bathsheba, the Bible tells me that he was in sin and iniquity. And let me show you why. Because he saw Bathsheba bathing, and the Bible says he had a thought and premeditated and then invited her to the room or summoned her. And then after he got her pregnant, he, he made up a, a story and he figured out how to get the, the husband killed on the front line. That's not just sin. That's premeditated iniquity. And this is why in Psalm 51, when David begins to repent, what does he say in his repentance? Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me of my sin. He needs both. He needs the premeditative stuff and the actual action. And I know you're in the room and you only think about the stuff that's action, but God actually wants you to repent of the stuff that's premeditative as well. You may not have done it yet, but you're setting it up for this afternoon. Oh, and you... He actually wants you to repent of all of that. And here's why. Because he wants to redirect uh, your ear back to his voice. And I know I'm preaching to somebody in this room because you have secret sins. Oh, you know those secret sins that nobody know about. You ain't tell nobody about them. And you think you're the only person in, in Christianity that will get away with it. 
You think you're the only person that you bamboozle God. You can't hoodwink God. He knows it's all laid bare before him. And so what David is doing is he's showing us it's not just about a list of how to make decisions. First, it's about how you are operating as a believer. No believer lives life with and, and, and acts like sin isn't in our life. No genuine believer can go through life without repenting. He says, do not remember the rebellious sin of my youth. He went all the way back. And forgive me, I love this, of my many, many sins and my many, many iniquities. Now, let me tell you something about your sin. If you're in this room and you're like, ah, oh, man, he knows, like, ah, oh, he, you know, he's kind of coming for me right now. You also have a God that is gracious. And first John chapter one will tell me that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. So I don't want you to walk out of here beat up about your sin. I want you to walk out of here broken about your sin to the point where you give it back to the Lord. Why? Because the moment you do, the more you hear from the Lord. David understands that the uninterrupted connection to God's voice is based on his willingness to repent. So in other words, decision-making isn't about um, how God leads. It's about who God leads. Well, who does he lead? He leads, he leads believers that are repentive. It's quiet in here. Y'all making me work. I'm starting to sweat. I'm just trying to get you to hear God's voice. And some of you haven't heard from him in a long time. You feel like, y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, you feel like that, that prayer hit the ceiling and came back down. I, I wonder if it didn't hit the ceiling. I wondered if it hit your sin and it came back down. And God wants to, he just, he just misses you. He ain't beating you up. He just misses you. It's the voice. Somebody say the voice of God. That's what you should be searching for. Not a list of how to make better decisions. Here's the better decision. Get, get clarity on his voice. How do I get clarity? By actually repenting of, of sin. Well, B, you got to tell me how, 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 tell me about that voice. How do I hear from the Lord? Is he going to like audibly speak to me? You know, son, go to the left. I don't know how he talks, but no. <laughs> are, are we going to like, is he going to, or is it going to be like Daniel where it's the writing on the wall? Is it going to be writing? Like how, how please, is it going to be no doves? Pigeons, whatever they are. Is that going to be how he speaks to me? How can I crystallize the very voice of God? The scripture today gives us guidance on how. You want to know how to hear from the Lord? Look at verse four. Verse four, is this all right, y'all? Verse four says, make known to me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Well, how? Verse five, lead me in your, watch this word, truth. Well, where do we get the truth of God at? Where do we learn the character of God at? You learn the truth by the word of God. Let me take you to Jesus and his high priestly prayer in John 17. Sanctify them in your truth for your word is your truth. And so if you want to understand how to make decisions, you got to have a closer proximity to the very word of God. And I know how it is. Some of y'all started that devotional plan and you like 15 days behind. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you look back and be like, oh, June 28th, I got to get back on it. You want to make better decisions, you need to have, it's not a still small voice. Sometimes, but majority of decision making is not a still small voice and it's not writing on the wall. David seems to show us that in order to understand God's voice, you have to have an inward familiarity with the ways of God, which points you to an instinctive response to whatever decision it is. 
don't know if that makes sense. The more you understand your word and the more you are familiar with God's character, the easier it is to make decisions. Why? Because you make decisions based on instinct, not instruction. It's not instruction. Y'all wanted the instructions. I'm like, no, I need you to get the instincts. What are the instincts? I need to understand the very character of God. There are some easy decisions. There's some stuff that you're like, man, that's black and white. I know exactly what to do. Why? Because I know, what, I know who God is. I know the very character of God. And when you understand the character of God, you will have instincts. The second greatest player of basketball of all time, Michael Jordan. He said in an interview, this is real. He, I probably shouldn't say that where Jordan's on, right? He said, he said in an interview, I ain't got LeBron's on. He said in an interview, he was asked by the reporter, when you drive to the lane, do you know what you're going to do before you start driving? Mike's response was, no, I just jump and I decide in the air. That's instincts. And let me tell you something. Let's think about this in, in the athletic way. A coach, a coach's responsibility is to not train you on every single scenario of the game. Well, this person is going to do this and this play is going to look like this. And this is what the team is going to. That's not a coach's responsibility. A coach's responsibility is to get you to understand the fundamentals of the game. Because if you can understand the fundamentals of the game, there are some things that happen real time that you know how to make a quicker decision on because it's instinctive. Oh, God, if I could just get y'all to understand that a big piece of decision-making is understanding the Word of God, because when you understand the Word of God, you will grow in your instincts, and you'll know what to do. Oh. There's a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 15, 14, that talks about your, your connection to the Word. Here's what it says. Solid food, meaning the Word, is for the mature, who by constant use have trained their senses to distinguish good from, from evil. That's instinct. When you understand the word of God, you will train your mind. You will, I can drive to the lane too. I don't do it like Mike. You know why? Because I haven't trained the way he trained. I don't have the same instincts because I didn't, I didn't, basketball isn't what I, what I eat and, and, and drink and, and think about all day long. I think about other stuff where, oh, where everybody else that has those instincts is in the gym right now. And they're growing. Here's our gym. Oh, that, that's, this is where we get the training from. This is where you learn how to have instincts. And some of you want to grow in your decision making, but you refuse to have a closer proximity to the word of God. And the word of God is exactly what will help you to make your decisions. Somebody say it's the word of God. Now, I read Hebrews 4, 5, 14 to you about the spiritually mature. Let me read about the spiritually immature. For everyone is verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word. Of righteousness since he is a child some of you are children trying to make spiritual grown-up decisions but you're an immature Christian that don't know how to decipher the minute stuff there's some stuff that you are making decisions on right now that you should be making a lot clearer decisions because of your proximity to the word It's instinct not instruction it's instinct. It is, it is not instruction. If I can get you to believe that, Pastor B, you know, I was told that the Bible is, is the roadmap to life. It gives me step by step. The Bible, I mean, there is maps in here. There's a map right there. I mean, it's, it's maps in here, but that's not how the Word of God works. When I understand how decision-making works, I'm not going to open up to Psalm 24 and be like, oh, take the job. That's not how it works. I get familiar with the character and the person and the work of Jesus Christ to the point where I begin to make decisions out of instinct. Somebody, I'm on this point too long. Somebody say instinct. <sighs> Can I give you another principle? Verse number nine. 
Verse number nine says, he leads the, somebody say humble, what, what, in what is right. And he teaches the humble his way. And so a big part of decision making based on David is to have humility. Because the opposite of humility is it's pride. And let me tell you something about being proud and having pride in your heart. The people who have pride in their heart usually is connected to an unwillingness to learn. Oh, I'm, you're unteachable when you're proud. And so what David says is if you're going to make solid decisions, you have to do so with humility. And let me tell you something. The reason we need humility when we're being guided by God is because God usually guides us in ways that we don't want to go. I know, I, I know what I'm talking about here. You want to go right, and you've been praying about it, and then God gave you clarity on it, and instead of going the way God wanted you to go, you went left. Some of you, it's not a, it's not a crystallizing the voice issue. Some of you repented of the sin. You know what it is? It's obedience for you or lack of. Maybe it's disobedience. Oh, look in verse 10. He says, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love whose faithfulness for those who keep as obedience those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Some of you in this room, the biggest thing you can do this week is do like Kendrick said. Be humble. Sit down. That's what we need. Some of you in this room are too proud to hear from God. And you want to hear and you want to hear and God is telling you, God is telling you, and you keep disobeying. God, oh, he... 99.9% .9 of the time, he's going to lead you in a way that you don't want to go. But my question is, do you trust him enough as he leads you that way? Can I tell you what animal represents you that God looked down from heaven and said, oh, that's what they are? When God looked down from heaven, he didn't say that we was a lion. No, he didn't, he didn't call you a bear. He didn't, he didn't call you an eagle. You know what he called you? Y'all know it. He called you a sheep. Now, there's, 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 there's bad news and good news when it comes to being a sheep. Who, wh wh which one do you want first, the bad news or the good news? You want the bad news. Here's the bad news. Sheep are idiots. The, the, the wisest person in the room that makes the best decisions is nothing more than an idiot when it comes to God. Oh, that's it. And so when I understand that he calls us sheep, I realize that he's calling, he, he genuinely is calling us dumb. Let me tell you about sheep. They don't know how to defend themselves. Sheep are slow. They don't run fast. Sheep have really bad eyesight. They can only see four feet in front of them. Sheep, when they run into water that's moving, they, if they're not careful, the water will get their coats wet and their equilibrium will be thrown off and they will fall over and drown into the water. Sheep are dumb, which is why in Psalm 23, when, when David begins to explain a sheep and a shepherd, do you know what he says about the sheep? He says, I lead them to still water. Why does the water got to be still? Because if I take them to water that's running, they'll fool, them fools will drown themselves. And so what a good shepherd does is he takes rocks on the bank of the river and he puts the rocks all the way around so that when your stupid behind almost says something else, when your stupid behind goes to the water and drink, the water ain't running so you won't kill yourself. Sheep are dumb. Sheep, sheep, sheep are idiot at the core of who they are. Now, that's the bad news. Y'all asked for it, so I gave it to you. Here's the good news. That even though we're a dumb sheep, we got a good shepherd. Oh, that's a good news right there. 
And every shepherd knows that the sheep are only as protected and healthy as the shepherd loves them. Do you, I know we're not shepherds, right? Like none of us in this room, I, I don't think that any of us have, you know, a flock of sheep at home that you kind of guide. But back in the day, they would have hundreds of sheep. And do you know that people would say that really, really, really good shepherds would not only know their sheep, but they would name them? Also, when they were coming to the barn and, and, and they were coming out of the field, they would put their hand like this and they would tap their head and he would name each and every one of them. And he'd say their name each and every time they came in because shepherds are wise. Shepherd protects. Shepherds keeps, keeps us from the wolves uh, trying to attack us. They keep us from the, the, from the water that is running. Do you know the Bible also says in Psalm 23 that they lead us to green pasture? Why does it got to be green? Because sheep are so dumb, they'll eat anything. And so if you have a bad shepherd that took them to a field that, of poisonous stuff, they would eat the poisonous stuff. So honestly, the, the health and well-being of the sheep has nothing to do with the sheep. The health and well-being has everything to do with the shepherd. This is why you can trust him guiding you. This is why you can trust him leading you, because he is a God that knows how to lead us. There's a story. It's a fictitious story of these these two fields that were adjacent from each other, and they were divided by one fence. And on one side, there were healthy sheep, plump sheep. And on the other side, there were all sickly sheep. And one of the sheep that was sick made its way to the fence that divided their, their pastures, and he collapsed right at the fence. And the biggest and the strongest of the healthy sheep, he came over to the fence as well. And the, the sheep that was sick looked up at the other one and said, go ahead and make fun of me. Go ahead, I know you are. And the big sheep said, if it wasn't for my shepherd, I would look like you. That's what we get in Jesus. That he leads us and guides us. And so the, way, the reason you can trust his directions, even when they're abnormal of what you want to do, the reason you can trust him is because he is a good shepherd. Somebody say, we serve a, a good shepherd in this room. A good shepherd that leads us and guides us. Now, here's what you need to do when you go home this week. Here's what you need. You need to dig deep and find humility. Yeah, you need to, verse, verse 9, you got to find humility. You know what else you got to do? You got to look at, take inventory, pop the hood, and take inventory of those areas of sin. We've become so comfortable with sin. We've actually redefined it. We did a Trump and unclassified it. You went down, a, you spiritually, you went to Mar-a-Lago and said, this ain't sin no more. Out of nowhere. But how do you define what sin is when you've never even created anything? You don't get to define. I don't get to define that. I live by the laws and the rules and the principles that God has put in place. And so when I understand my life and I understand those areas that I have unrepented sin, and some of us not have only unre been unrepentant, we haven't confessed it to anybody. We haven't told anybody. We haven't confessed it to the Lord and you are operating and you're operating trying to get clarity on decisions. And God is like, I got to repent first. So this week, humility needs to be birthed. And you're not humble because you told somebody you're humble. That's actually pride. It's pride. Humility. Confessing and repenting of sin. It's very clear in the text. And the last one is you got to get familiar with the word of God. Anybody want more of the word? Like just, I mean, I, I, I know you're deep and spiritually. Yeah, we want more. God, we want to know you. Well, there's some intuitive stuff that happens when you know who God is. You'll be, be able to make better 
decisions. You know what I want to do? Instead of calling an altar call, I believe that everybody's on the altar because we all got decisions to make. So every head bow, every eye close. Lord, I pray for this room. Pray for this room, Lord. This is not hyperbole. Lord, I, I believe that, that the guidance and the direction that we need solely based on these areas, these three areas, humility, exposure to your word, a willingness to repent of sin. Lord, I don't know why I'm stuck there, but there's somebody in this room, oh God, that has gone through life and they genuinely think they got you bamboozled. And they're, they're comfortable in sin. They're comfortable in it. And this new age progressive church got us hoodwinked. Got us crazy thinking we can do whatever we want. Holiness is still right. And Lord, you, you want us to look more like your son. That is the one goal for all of us in this room is to look more like Jesus Christ. And so, Father, purge us of the sin. Do, do us like David in the text today that my sins and my iniquities are great, but you are greater. And Lord, help us not to miss your voice because we've got comfortable with temporary sin. Help us to repent and get clarity on from, from, from who you are. So Lord, this week, oh God, I pray that somebody would be accountable. I pray that you would put people in our lives that, that heard the word today and say, you know what, how you doing in these three areas? You seem a little prideful today. Have you read your word today? Is there sin in your life that you need to confess and repent to the Lord? Because then and only then do we get clarity. So Lord, I'm going to end this by just saying, we thank you for leading us. We thank you for being a God that doesn't just guide us, but guides us from A to Z and everything in between. We thank you for being a God that doesn't only care about spiritual matters in our life, but cares about the, the natural, mundane, boring things in our life. You care. So Lord, we just we say thank you. Somebody say thank you. Thank you for guiding us and leading us into all truth. It's in Jesus' name we give glory. Somebody say amen.